This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 536 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, April 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by both Jason Collette and Justin Mason. Jason, what's going on? It's going on, man. Long, uh, long weekend. I uh, got to see opening day. I was on. Uh, I was there to watch Gabe Kapler utilize 17 relievers uh, and blow a 5 nothing lead as Nick Markakis hit a walk-off, so that was fun. Oh, you and, that? Uh, oh, yeah, you I were at that I was at that, that gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And someone was there like, I hope he didn't leave for the walk-off. Come on, Jason. Come on, please. Leaving. leave. Come on. Child, please. No, no, no. I don't leave games early. In fact, we had moved downstairs. We were sitting in the 200 level, and we had moved down to the 100. It was pretty cool because we were just right at their uh, – basically the top of the 100 section. And when he hit the home run, a bunch of guys in front had a bucket of popcorn, just threw it in the air. It was like popcorn everywhere. <laughs> Like, well, it was just fun to watch, but uh, opening day was cool to be there with my kids, and uh, been watching been watching at least one game a day since. Um, that's awesome, and being at that game, like even if you're not a Braves fan, and as long as you're not a Phillies fan, had to be a lot of fun. That was pretty awesome uh, to see Marquez do that. You know, long term vet definitely has kind of outgrown his fantasy usage like everywhere right he's not in all formats must must have but uh so having him you know have a big big moment there was pretty cool for Marquez. because justin how are you doing uh i'm tired i messed up yeah. all the fab in the invitational last night so i spent all all night and all day dealing with we were that speaking <laughs> we we're speaking about this offline before we got on about not being able to really deal with technical issues necessarily in the most uh uh in in the best way jason and i can get a little heated at technology and inanimate object and uh, when it's not working and i can't even imagine i can't even imagine what you were going through when I read that you you're like I'm gonna have to redo it all. I'll get these guys in, and I was just like, oh my god, it's that my own stupidity though. So, so it's not like, though. you know, I mean, don't give me a part that of makes it. Makes it is... worse sometimes though, because I'm like, yes, if I had just done this one thing, I'm such a clown that I wouldn't be having all this extra work that I did. Yeah, but I'm up all night anyway, so you know, just. Whatever. It is what it is. I got to watch a bunch of baseball while I did it today and watch some archive games last night. So it wasn't like I, you know, did anything other than what I would be doing normally. No, I um I understand that and hopefully it got uh, it got all fixed and that's awesome. 
We are going to talk some baseball for sure. There is a lot, a lot to talk about, and it's going to be, um, it's going to be this way now for like 180 days. Although a lot of weird off days with the new schedule, with the starting earlier, and uh, there's going to be like some five day weeks there. I think there's teams off almost every day this week, uh, every weekday this week. Which six is that were off on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, because of the way the, the season started, it was basically a travel day. So that was a little interesting, but as long as we're getting a steady flow of baseball, we did get it earlier this year, so let's not let's not get too bogged down in, in that. Let's talk a few injuries first, then we're going to hit on some key performances over the last few days, including some from today. Uh, hey, basically, but, as a jump off, I hate to interrupt, though. About, yeah. I hate to interrupt, though, but before we get into the bad stuff of the injuries, can we get into the best news of Monday? Yeah. Do it. What, what do we have available to our listeners now? We have our very own Sleeper in the Bus shirt. That's right. Is it live? It is live. You can go on the website. Uh, by the time that people listen to this, they should be able to go buy it. They should be able to go buy it on rotoware.com. Rotoware, uh, you guys have been hearing us, you know, uh, rep their stuff for sure. In fact, if you saw. A tweet that went uh, a little bit, not, I wouldn't say like full-on viral, just was tweeted and, and favorited well within the fantasy community during the Arizona Fall League when three of us, I- including Fangraph Keith Farnsworth. Keith Farnsworth, were all wearing the lineups and chill shirt that they have in the Netflix and chill font. Really cool shirt there. I've also got the Commissioner one. Great, great shirts. The Sleeper and the Bust men's t-shirt. I think it's available for women as well, by the way. I'm on the men's side, so I, I, I will confirm that. Is now available. Smalls have already sold out. So you better hurry. You better hurry and go get it. This is awesome. Uh, I'm definitely going to have the, the link in the show notes. Obviously, we'll be repping ours. I love the design that they came up with, guys. Smalls has already sold out? Wow. I, I don't think they had any Smalls for, for, for our listeners. They they assume they're all all big guys like us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm simply tall. I'm definitely not uh, not big. Yeah, but you couldn't fit a small. I mean, it would it would be half That's shirt. True. That's true. That uh, I could not to I say we wouldn't want to see that. Wise, not lengthwise. Yeah, yeah. I could widthwise, not lengthwise. Let's pretend they had like 500 smalls and they all just sold out. Okay, let's that's, pretend. Yes, I'll, yeah. I'll cut that first. I'll cut that first part. My shirt's already on the way. I got the confirmation this morning that it's on its way. I did too. I got a shirt coming for me and my wife. It's it's uh it's pretty awesome. Uh, I love Rotoware. Uh, for those who've never bought one, aside from the really cool designs, they're really comfortable. They are comfortable, thing. as hell. and I'm a huge t-shirt snob, y'all. Like I am, it, it, I'm not gonna lie. If they'd come at us with some busted shirts, I would have been like, please don't, please don't make our shirt, because I'm not pimping out a shirt that that is not comfortable. These. are are ridiculously comfortable. They're they're the the super comfortable type shirt. The the just the amazing material. I don't even know. It's tri blend probably, but it's uh sixty percent rung ring spun cotton and forty percent polyester. So it's got stretchy comfort. It's amazing. I'm excited about this shirt. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, me too. I, I, I love their shirts. Uh, I think I've got four or five of them. And if I was wearing clothes right now, I'd be wearing them right now. Don't oh, you have like mind bleach? Oh, <laughs> need mind bleach. <laughs> Don't you have like um, basically a, a, a collect a Rotoware collector's item because it's, it was designed by them, um, but it is no longer available. The, the the in the in the form that you have at the George Springer. Oh shirt. yes, yes, yeah. They they designed it for me. Uh, I still have a couple that I've been using as giveaways 
Maybe I maybe I'll do. Oh yeah, I gave one to you. Uh, maybe I should uh, do a giveaway on this podcast at some point for for a free George Great Springer's uh, bathwater teacher. But right now we're focused on our yeah. sleeper in the Gotta bus shirt. It's awesome. Uh, um, it, you know, it's, it's in the brown. It, it, it's based off our logo, and I thought they did a great job. So go check that out, y'all. Now let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some injuries. This one really hurts my heart, um, not only because of the guy who got hurt, but the fact that um, the injury that he suffered. Aaron Hicks is back on the DL with an oblique. Obliques bothered him last year. That That's what ate up basically half the season. And so we can only go so far in saying, well, when he's healthy, it, the performance is there because he's just not healthy enough. And oblique injuries always scare me just right, right off the top because they tend to linger in both hitters and pitchers. And I'm, I'm definitely nervous here. We've seen Aaron Hicks uh, eclipse 100 games just once in his career back in 2016. I'm kind of moving off. Um, you know, DL him obviously where you can, but then when your DL spots, if they start to fill up in a lot of situations, obviously it would depend on who the DL guys are. But in a lot of situations, I think he might be the first one off. I think I'm as much as I like Aaron Hill, Aaron Hicks's skill in shallower leagues, guys, I'm kind of moving off. Jason, how do you feel about Aaron Hicks's injury? Yeah, I'm moving off too, and this I love him as much as you do here. The pro- the problem here is he's dealing with a deep depth chart. So it, once he comes back, it's not like he even has this clear path to playing time. If, if Tyler Austin keeps hitting these exit velo bombs like he's doing, they got Miguel Andahar. You know, they've got all these different rostering pieces that they're moving around. Yes, some of that's a first base and whatnot. Uh, Billy McKinney wanted to disable this himself. They they got the different pieces, but it could end up being a crowded depth chart. So once he comes back, there's where's he going to play on a daily basis? And that uh, automatically takes him out of the shallow leagues. Then at 15, he's barely 15 team league eligible at that or usable at that point. Now we're talking about an AL only guy. Whereas at draft a month ago, this was a guy that we were looking at in 12 team mixed leagues. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was propping up Aaron Hicks. I was looking for a breakout based on what we saw last year, uh, because the skills are there. And and you know I'll advocate for him in deeper leagues. And again, put Aaron Hicks on your DL spot, uh, one of your DL spots as long as you can. But when it comes for that tough decision, I think he he starts to be an easier one. Uh, Justin, are, are you are you sticking with Hicks or are you moving moving forward? I mean, I'm I'm sticking with him to a point. I'm not going to cut somebody I drafted above him. Uh, in order to keep him on my DL, if someone else uh, hits it, uh, but you know, it's just it's such a potent lineup. And as much as I think we were all worried about this being a really deep lineup in a, in a deep team, uh, injuries have made that uh, made short work of that very very quickly. Um, you know, to the point where Tyler Wade is now in the starting lineup on a, on a regular basis, uh, and he is just straight garbage. So, uh, like, I'm, it's you know, it's it it, it it's going to be a very good lineup again at some point if all the pieces get healthy, and I think that's a sure. big if when you're talking about guys like Greg Bird who's out for a while and will probably be out again at some point uh, yeah. later in Another the season. Another guy you can't trust, right? Yeah, Jacoby you know, you know, Ellsbury, you can't trust. Um, so I, although he's coming back here in another couple of days, yeah, but then he'll be out again in another couple of days. So yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just in time for next to come back. <laughs> I'm good on Jacoby Ellsbury for sure. No, it, it is it is a thing where we're starting to say a lot of it of, you know, when this guy's healthy, when this guy's healthy. Although that's why you need depth is because guys do get hurt. And so that certainly helps the Yankees from a from a real life standpoint. But uh, it makes some makes some of these guys tough bets in the fantasy realm. Another guy with an oblique strain that, 
you know, becomes fantasy relevant because of the way catcher drops off was was Matt Wieters. And obviously he never panned out to the level that that was expected. And in fact, the last couple of years has, have been particularly bad. But he's a guy with just a clear job where you know you're going to get like 450 plate appearances. Um, but now you mix in a, an oblique injury to start the season here. A awful, awful year last year, 632 OPS for Matt Wieters and just 10 homers. Justin, uh, what do you what do you do with Matt Wieters? Weren't the Nationals like in spring training, like that guy in your fantasy league that sends out like the the on the block for one person like over and over and over again, and nobody responds yeah. to it? So, yes. like, and, it, and oh, it was always seeking catcher. Like they always just they're, they're, they're looking for everybody's catcher too. Anytime there's a catcher rumor, JT Real Muto going there. You know, anytime there's any Jonathan Lucroy, I'm still surprised they didn't try to get Lucroy. Um, you know, even with Weeders there, I I think relegating some of his playing time would not have been a bad idea. And now, of course, he's he's hurt. Yeah, and I mean it's the last year of his contract, uh, so they're not tied into him financially after this season. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they just move on from him. So, I mean, he's just, he's a straight cut for me, you know, outside of like deep two catcher leagues. Uh, And I'm going to find a, a long-term replacement. So go, go grab those Tucker Barnhart shares or, you know, whatever's out there on the waiver wire. Cause for me, it's, I mean, I was not an advocate of Weeders to begin with this season, I think he still gets overpriced because of what we expected him to be a decade ago, uh, <laughs> which makes no sense. But I, I yeah, I, I generally had my catchers before he was going. Um, but he does look like uh, he, you get in a draft, and, and a guy like Matt Weeders looks like that oasis when you're deep in a draft, and you're like, oh, remember the prospect, and you just start dreaming, and and you end up taking him, and then you're like, why the hell did I take Matt Weeders? Uh, Jason, James McCann. Frank Francisco Cervelli, Martin Maldonado, and Matt Wieters. Rank them. God, almost like reverse order. You, you know what the problem is with Matt Wieters? Do you like Matt Wieters first? Well, I, I hate the whole group. Uh, but the, the problem not, with matter. the problem with here, though, we're only a year removed from Kurt Suzuki pulling an amazing season out of his ass, right? Sure. I mean, absolutely nothing, and then he does what he. So then, and and oh. that was pretty much a no talent catcher. Who then had an amazing year, and even Tyler Flowers to an extent. Uh, yeah, they had their. But he had. So you look at Matt Wieters, like, okay, this guy once had this type of talent. You know, coming off a year where Kurt Suzuki, of all guys, pulls up 18 home runs, maybe this is the year Wieters does it, and that's why Wieters was getting drafted. I'm like you guys, I didn't have a share of him anywhere. I was avoiding him. Uh, he was almost like my line of demarcation where I, I don't want to get to Matt Wieters. Please don't make me draft exactly. him. And exactly. so I ended up going with you – know, you, I, I chuckle when you said Tucker Barnhart because in my local 11-team uh, NL League single catcher, Tucker Barnhart is my starting catcher. Uh, and he was actually somebody I targeted in that in that capacity. But, uh, yeah, I – it's – again, I, I'm kind of done with him here. But sure. if I can get him on the absolute cheap as a second catcher while he's hurt, bring him on. Probably somebody I'd rather gamble on on the DL at this point. Um, Justin, Ian Kinsler hit the DL with a groin uh, injury, and it looks like uh, he's going to be able to come off when he's first eligible. So it doesn't look like a major thing, you know, just another few days here uh, with Ian Kinsler on the DL. You worried about this with any long-term 
aspect uh, as far as how it might affect Ian Kinsler because I'm looking for him for a bounce back after looking under the hood last year and just not really seeing any reason that he should have had like a 236 batting average. How do you feel about Ian Kinsler? I feel fine. I'm I'm not worried about this at all. It seems like, like you mentioned, he should be able to return uh, after a minimum stay on the on the ten day DL. Uh, so you just got to plug that hole for a little bit. What I love about this, you know, as much as you love anybody getting hurt, uh, is Zach Cozart getting playing time at second base, moving around. Like this means, like when they give Kinsler days off, maybe they'll play Cozart there too. He could gain second and third third base eligibility on top of already having shortstop. I love that for Zach Cozart. Oh, absolutely. That changes things a lot because, you know, mm-hmm. you look at last year's breakout at age 31 and sure that that definitely stood out. But he did hit 16 homers in 121 games the year before that. And I believe that he was uh, he ended up with a 732 OPS. I want to say that there was an injury that interrupted mm-hmm. uh, Cozart's 2016 where he had been really good before that, the injury, and then came back and, and wasn't quite as good. Uh, Broke his leg or something, didn't he? Or was that I, yeah, the year I before? Pretty severe injury, but um, yeah, so first half, 799 OPS, 14 homers in 80 games, uh, 335 plate appearances for Zach Cozart. 173 plate appearances in the second half, just a 603 with the other two homers. So he was, you know, kind of starting to come forward a bit in 2016, had the huge year last year, which was again injury shortened. Um, and now this year in a potent lineup, moving around triple eligibility, you're right. If there is a silver lining to somebody getting hurt, it's that you're starting to add to that potential eligibility for Zach Cozart. Uh, Jason, finishing up the the injury news, Joe Musgrove is going to be shut down for a week with that shoulder that kind of bothered him a bit in in spring training, although he did finish with, I believe, a five-inning, you know, strong strong start to uh, cap off his Grapefruit League. I'm a big fan. I believe the entire show here is a a pretty sizable fan of Joe Musgrove, but how much are we letting our our long-term fandom cloud this this continued shoulder issue, or is this something that you think is short-term and we're going to get through it? With Joe Musgrove, this is the so it's the second time. It's the second time in 2018 this has happened. It came up early in camp, and now it's here. The only time, the only way a shoulder gets better is with rest. So maybe they take a little more time on it. It seems like he came back a little quickly during camp uh, from this particular thing. But you know, shoulder is is your is your velocity stove. That's where it comes from. And if it's hurting, you're not going to be able to throw hard. Why we love Joe Musgrove last year is when he started throwing harder. So if he's going to take a step back because of this, all of a sudden we shouldn't love Joe Musgrove as more anymore. Uh, as Check much that, anymore. by the way. Uh, I want to expound. He's on the DL and then shut down flat for five to seven days. Uh, on, so on the 10-day for that, off a week instantly, to your point about rest being the issue. I, I don't know if I made that clear when I just suggested that he was going to be shut down for five to seven days. There will be a DL stint as well for Joe Musgrove. So at least you get to put him on your DL. I would hang on anywhere I drafted him, right? Because you should have a DL spot available. Um, I guess if you're up at the, you know, three out of three or five out of five DL spots, you could maybe, uh, it, he would be the first one out if you were already full somehow. But if you're already full on your DL spots and you have like three plus, your season's already taken a turn. Um, Justin, Joe Musgrove headed to the DL. What do, what, do, what do you think about the, the shoulder here? And are you holding him as well? I'm not holding him. If I if I get someone else into my DL, I'm I'm probably dropping. You got you pay nothing for Joe Musgrove, so it's not like there's any equity lost at this point. Uh, I I like the talent, and I think he could be a very good major league uh, pitcher at some point. But I mean, the, like Jason said, this is the second time this has happened this season. 
So, like, this could easily turn into a season-long thing or surgery. Uh, Shoulder injuries scare me worse than elbow injuries do. Uh, for especially for pitchers, so I'm yeah, I'm pretty much done as long as uh, I need the room for someone else. Okay, yeah. So monitor that with Musgrove. Keep him on the DL as long as you can. But when DLs start to fill up, he's kind of your first cut option in a lot of scenarios. All right, let's talk about some interesting performances uh, over these first four days or so. Uh, let's start with one that that happened today. Paul DeYoung goes three for four, hit his third home run, and I wanted to bring him up specifically because he was somebody I was pretty firmly out on. I just I, I understood that when he hits the ball, he hits the ball hard, but I really hated that plate approach, and I just didn't want to pay up for for Paul DeYoung. Also, the ma- the main reason was less DeYoung related and more the fact that I liked so many other guys at the positions that he played. But but even still, I'm not going to run from it. I was I've been anti uh, Paul DeYoung, and even now. Even in this small sample of goodness, there's still a 42% strikeout rate with it. So he's either blasting the ball or or striking out, and that seems to be the thing with him. So right now he's balancing a 10. Uh, wait, no, excuse me, that's 1567 OPS with his. Oh, thir- it dropped a 38% strikeout rate today. So again, extremes on both sides with Paul DeYoung, Jason. But uh, what was your outlook on DeYoung coming into the season, and is the fast start altering it one way or the other? I do. I do want to clarify. Or I need to frame your your being out on DeYoung. I mean, are you were you like Kyle Gibson out on DeYoung <laughs> or? No, I acknowledge that that DeYoung has skills. Um, so no, I would never. How you dare know, you? I could. I couldn't be that that far out. So you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about Kyle Gibson later, and you guys can pretend that the the, the six innings changes anything. But that's fine. No, no, I wasn't that far out. But I was, you know, tied with Justin actually for the lowest at second base. We both had him twenty five. Let's not go too far with that because the other two guys, uh, Mike Podhorzer and Jeff Zimmerman, had him twenty and twenty one respectively. So we're talking about uh, minimal differences. The point is, though, I mean, he was going. You know, top fifteen or higher for right. like, the, the believers were really jumping up there. And in fact, Justin and I had him similarly in the shortstop rankings, twenty and twenty second respectively. Whereas Mike had him fourteenth and Jeff had him sixteenth. So he was seen as as more of a positive shortstop. And, and again, I wasn't playing in, in that right. pool with with Paul DeYoung. And he was off my ra- he was off my radar only because I never expected. I very similar. I I thought of him like a top twenty guy at his position, but he was being drafted higher than that. I don't like making those types of reaches for guys with this particular skill profile, so uh, which is why I never, I never considered it. Now, you know, maybe I missed out uh, on it because of it, but I, I'm not, I'm not taking that reach for for guys that are that have a one to seven walk to strikeout ratio. Even in this day and age of, yeah, strikeouts are cool. Everybody's doing it. So what? I'm still not going to take no it. no walks either, right? Because some of these other yeah. big strikeout guys at least walk. I will say he does have a an 8% rate, although with the way these things fluctuate, he had an 8% rate through yesterday, and it's 6% today for Paul DeYoung. So yeah. it, it's all walk. fluctuating. One, one walk. One. Okay, yeah. So I, I, I honestly, between the two, they're both extreme. 6% walk, 38% strikeout. But I believe the 38% strikeout more. And 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 so you know I do I do worry about that five percent walk rate for his career so far because that's what that's what he had last year. Um, Justin, again, we both ranked Paul DeYoung similarly, so I'm sure we have a similar outtake or outlook. But how do you feel about this fast start? Is it changing anything? Or are you just saying, hey, I knew he had power. It's the plate skills. Where are you at with with Paul DeYoung? Like like I said on the last episode uh, that we had, I don't really change too many opinions 
uh, very early. I mean, unless things are injury-related or call-up-related, uh, I'm not judging a guy based on three or four games played. That's, you exactly. know, uh, you know, unless it's like Kyle Gibson confirmation bias, um, oh I'm just, uh, I'm not going to worry about it too much. <laughs> I, I worry too much that uh, that DeJong is Ryan Schimpf without the walks. Oh, you know, a, a guy who just puts the ball in the air a ton. Yeah. Uh, that you know, he hits the ball hard, but so did Ryan Schimpf. You put the ball that you know, a lot he, of guys do, right? You raise that, that launch that angle that way. Eventually, infield fly balls may start to catch you uh, mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in the way that Ryan Schimpf, and at least Ryan Schimpf walked a little bit. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen DeJong do that at the major league level. Uh, I don't know that he could sustain the BABIP that we saw last year, even though he hits the ball hard. Um, I think some of it's earned, and I think some of it uh, is obviously uh, uh, waiting for some regression. Let's talk in like a week about about DeJong when more stat cast data and stuff is in, and we can sure. kind of see the launch angles, see what the exit velocities look fast off the bat, um, and I'm sure they are, but I, I just think there's so many red flags that – you know, still that uh, that I saw, you know, coming into the season, I'm not ready to like jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, I hey, do, unrelated I do. guys, LOL, the Cubs got shut out for the second straight day. Tyler Molly, baby. You know, Tyler here's Tyler the Molly. thing: you look Molly. at it, the the two pitchers that they've hit are the two veterans. It's like yeah, they they got shut out by some, like, as Rob Silver said. Miami Marlins pitcher or a 1980s hockey goalie, right? Yes. The guy that the guy that uh, I forgot the was it Garcia that got him in game two, and then Maley today and yesterday was it like didn't, the young kids they don't Smith, have a scouting report on? Didn't yeah, Caleb, Caleb Smith, Smith was throw one like of them. five shutout or something yep. against them. It's, it's like the kids that they don't have good scouting reports on are the ones that are shutting them down. It's like <laughs> Jose Urena. Oh yeah, we've seen him. We're gonna blast him out of oblivion. And yeah. then I forgot who they faced Saturday. Oh, we're gonna hit him too. But back to back shutouts. Go figure. It's, that that is, that is pretty interesting. Tyler Molly pitching pitching well there. Guy did like late late in rounds there. Um, Tyler Chatwood six innings one run, but did have six walks. Right, so the walks are still there, and that's what, something that I think has to change if he's really going to fulfill the 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 top end upside that some folks have projected on Tyler Chatwood. I understand getting out of Coors is undoubtedly a positive, but seeing six walks today again, one start to that to yeah. that team six walks and only and only I'm sorry he didn't even walk Votto his six did, walks two were to Winker up. two were to Pennington Penny walking Cliff Pennington for exactly twice why is why is Cliff Pennington batting second by the way and he walked um, Billy Hamilton by the way widespread uh, disclaimer for this episode and pretty much the entire month. We're gonna give we're gonna talk about players, right? Because the, the real podcast would just be none of this matters. <laughs> I mean, not really, but but a lot of it would just be like, oh, uh, you know, it's hard to make moves on that. But at the same time, we don't want to go overboard and, and be lazy about it. But I just want to say anything that we're talking about, it's going to change. We we acknowledge that, right? So we're we're not making sweeping judgments, and I want to make that clear to anybody if we're saying, you know, this, that, and the other um, in these cu- in these first couple weeks. We're we're so limited right now, so please don't get over the top about it, right? Don't don't be like, oh, you know, Paul Paul DeYoung is the greatest. I can't believe you guys were against him, stuff like that. So um, I, I just I just want to get that disclaimer out there as we're talking, you know, talking about the Cubs getting shut out. Are they, are they going to have a terrible offense? My guess is probably not. But have they struggled so far? Yeah, Rizzo's not hitting. Contreras isn't hitting. Ian Happ isn't hitting since that home run. I think they'll be fine. 
well, haven't they been sitting Hap too? Like, I, I don't understand. Yes. Like, yes. how do you how do you go from guy hits a home run on like the first pitch of the, the season to like he sat two games this year so far? Like, I, I just don't. This was the concern with Ian Happ coming into the year was we don't trust Joe Madden. That that was the concern, and the thing was, you know, can he perform his way into more playing time? And right now, we don't know, and and so, and so we'll see. But uh, you know, it's, it's interesting what's going on with them. I think it speaks more to Tyler Molly personally. Uh, the Marlins ones, I'm not so sold on. I but I guess I'm, I don't want to too far in confirmation bias. But six six innings, one hit, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts for Tyler Molly, Cincinnati pitcher that uh, I definitely liked as as a late round guy. We play in a lot of deeper leagues, so. You know, guys like that definitely come into play, and I and I liked Tyler Molly, so it's nice to see him uh, do well there. All right, we got a little uh, off track there on on that update. Let's talk about Adam Eaton. He had five Sticky. hits on Saturday, six fifteen average so far, two homers, five five ribbies, seven runs. Again, those all those numbers uh, they're great. They're, I'm just I'm just letting you know what he did. And five hits in one game is going to have you sky high. The point is, though, he looks great right off the top, and he's coming off an injury. So guys like this, and that, that's another thing, too, about the uh, the early season disclaimer. I'm going to try to focus on guys that uh, that are kind of in that middle, so where their early performances might hint at something one way or another as we kind of monitor them. Eaton was a guy that kind of fell below my radar of, of targets, and I, so I never really wound up with him anywhere and uh, never even really considered him. And part of it was with the concern about the health. And then part of it was, again, guys around him that I just preferred more. But Adam Eaton is is crushing it so far, Justin. And I'm curious uh, what you think about him. Because you were up there with the other guys. You guys had uh, 33 for Jeff Zimmerman, 36 for both you and Mike. And I was at 55. So I, I was flat out down on Adam Eaton. And so far, he's, he's smacking the ball. You know, I want to, you know, caution people Again, the small sample sizes, uh, but I mean, he he went all like Eric Thames on the Reds. Like, I mean, <laughs> like he, he learned. Like, he called him. He's like, "Yo, dude, what'd you do last month?" He watched some KBO video or something because I mean, he just went ham on the Reds. So, like that being said, like obviously this isn't who Adam Eaton is. Uh, I still don't think he's that much more than what we saw in you know 2015 2016 uh, with the White Sox. But that that, that would be really good, and yeah. that's certainly not the 55th outfielder, and it would definitely make me look foolish. You know, and it's especially good in that in that Nationals lineup. I mm-hmm, mean, this is this is gonna be the best la- lineup that he's probably ever played in, uh, and the Nationals seem uh, intent on hitting him towards the top of that lineup and. For some reason, burying Trey Turner at six. So I think well, Turner's uh, yeah. uh, leading off today. So that that's at least a good sign for us. Bring back Dusty Baker. <laughs> yeah, right. well, yeah. That that aspect, uh, that part of it, I'm not as as fond of. But I think uh, those two at the top uh, as a one-two punch uh, would work. Trey Turner and 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 Adam Eaton. But it looks like, like you said, they're putting Turner down at like six. Uh, on the regular, and he batted first. Uh, focus on hitting instead of getting on base was was literally the the last what? quote I read about it. Yes, that, that that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. But I will say this about Adam Eaton: this is the exact. This is how he got started last year too. It's only when he dove at that first base bag with that leap step and blew his knee up. 
He yep. was hit. He had like a three ninety three on base percentage in April last year uh, before he got hurt. He was doing. I was high on him last year. I was high on him this year. In fact, my bold prediction series at RotoWire, I literally copied and pasted my prediction from last year and put it right back there for Eaton and said, <laughs> "If this looks familiar, it should." Because I'm saying it again. It's the you same. Did you hit him with like a twenty twenty? I think I, I said 100-plus runs scored, uh, 25 stolen bases. Uh, I said he's going to be, a t- I think, a, a top uh, 30 outfielder, yeah, top that, 25 that, outfielder, I mean, maybe that, top 25. Really I nice. was rather aggressive on enemy. I think I was just too scared of the injury, uh, and overly, it seems, because uh, so far he's showing no you know, he's showing no ill effects and doesn't mean he can't get hurt in the future. But at some point, you'll get to a point where it's like, well, that's not that's not that injury. That's that's just another injury that could pop up. It's not they're not always directly related. So yeah, Eaton's off to a huge start. Uh, did get to beat up on the Reds. Eager to see what what he does now from from here on out. Great OBP guy too. So is a points league master. Uh, Tim Anderson had a two homer game right off the top and has a stolen base. Another guy that I was like kind of in between on. I started to see him a little bit more in in the the latter half of of draft season as somebody that would be pretty viable despite god awful plate skills because i didn't feel like he cost as much as somebody like a paul de young who has bad plate skills and i still wonder that you know he's developing tim anderson he's 25 years old if you could just give me a 310 obp which would be a substantial gain over what he did last year with the 276, <laughs> which is crazy. But a 310, I think we're talking 25-plus steals. He was 15 for 16 last year, 10 for 12 in a 99-game debut back in 2016. I think Tim Anderson, you know, don't worry. Like, it's great that you hit two homers in 17 last year, but the power is ancillary. Get on base a bit, and those wheels can go for days. Uh, Jason, how do you feel about Tim Anderson? So as we sit as we sit here and we dump on uh, Paul DeYoung about his plate dis- discipline, we can't then just jump in and be all lovey-dovey on on sure. t- Tim Anderson. But my point is here: the difference between the two is what you, is his speed. I mean, the fact that he still hit two fifty seven last year despite a two fifty or two seventy six on base percentage. That's what speed can do for you. You put mm-hmm. it in play, you bust it out. And, and you could do even the year before he was 306 on base percentage his rookie year he still hit 283 and so if he can show if he can just double his walk rate it, 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 you know to the speed again 15 for 16 uh, the batting average should come up I like him and he was somebody that was trying to get but too many other guys liked him as well uh, for this point because you have to figure in that third full season now he's going to show a little more maturity a little more patience and, and I would expect the walk rate to come to come up I'm not even going to mention what it is right now because it's probably like two walks and, and ten plate appearances uh, but it's it, it should come up and the potential was there there's a reason why this guy was escalated through the minor leagues as quickly as he was because he has lots of talent and now he's still young but third full year age 25 age 24 he doesn't even turn 25 until the middle uh, end of june uh so we've got i think it's gonna be a big season for him and somebody i'm excited to see develop this year yeah, Justin, Tim Anderson was being drafted 75 picks later on average than Paul DeYoung, too, which is another reason why it's not inconsistent for us to prop him up, uh, Anderson up, when we're, we're on DeYoung for his plate skills, even though they, they share similar uh, issues of having no ability to walk. Anderson also doesn't strike out as much. Uh, he, he strikes out probably more than you would want a guy like this because uh, because of his speed, you would want him to just make more contact. But is Tim Anderson someone that you can see evolving a bit? No, 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> the this is a guy like you know. It would be great if he you know walked twice as much as he did last year because Unless, he had yeah, thirteen walks. No, in but, but, but the strikeout rate. Sure, but like you still like this is like early career. This is worse than early career Billy Hamilton. This is like like you literally cannot steal first base, and like he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to hit on a regular basis, and there's gonna be really ugly points in the season. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I don't know how you're going to constitute playing him in your lineup on a day to day basis. Uh, you know, with the kind of struggles a guy like this can have, because there is no safety net with him. Uh, he has never walked uh, more than or 25 times or more in an entire season at any level. Like mm-hmm. this, this is not a guy who has progressed in any way this is a guy who was rushed through the minor league system without learning how to uh recognize pitches uh i this this is a failure of the white Sox scouting system and development system uh because there's no way this guy should have ever reached the majors in 2016 with the way he plays um and we're never going to see the huge stolen base seasons because he just can't get on base it is great that he's hitting for some power because he never showed this kind of power in the minor leagues that he showed last year, but two home runs partially due to the, you know, Danny Duffy potentially being drunk on the mound or something. Uh, And I can make that joke because I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I mean, like they gave up, I think 12 home runs in that game. Uh, Yeah. That that game was the Royals. I mean, it it was like batting practice. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to chalk that up too much. Uh, this to me just seems like a guy who everybody feels like has a huge ceiling, but it's really capped. Yeah, no, I the walks I, I get, and I'm not even gonna suggest that Tim Anderson's really gonna boost the walk rate much. Obviously, a five percent we we would kill for at this point. The key to the key to Tim Anderson really breaking out if he's going to would be to cut the strikeout rate to like twenty percent or below. That that's what will spur a breakout. Otherwise, I agree that there's not really much beyond what we saw in 2017, which has some value despite the awful triple slash because it's 17 homers and 15 stolen bases but if we're really going to see a big breakout he cannot strike out this much because he's just not going to become some big walker so that's tim anderson on the white Sox. speaking of stolen bases kevin pillar stole three in in one on base appearance he stole second third and home against Dallin batances and you know obviously that for now for a while you know, in, until he just either falls off or or kind of makes good on it, this is going to skew the the perception of Kevin Pillar because people are going to talk about how he's pacing in stolen bases, even down the line, right? Even third round pick now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even in three weeks, um, you know, if he's got like five stolen bases, people will be using that and saying, like, you know, he's got already five stolen bases. And I, you know, I think that three in one on-base appearance against Dallin Batanzas is different than than one in three different games. Am I wrong on that, Jason? Or or, or is, it, is it just the numbers are the numbers, and if he stole three in one game, it's no different than if he just if he steals one a game for three games? And I don't think you're wrong on that because it, it, what it shows is that, that Toronto was giving him the green light. If they see a matchup or something to take advantage of, take advantage of it. I mean, stealing home was just, if you watched it, he took a big old fat lead 
Mm-hmm. And as Batanza's gotten to that slow delivery, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gone." Uh, yeah, and he exactly. took he took second and third, but again, it's, it's an aggressivist. And Batanzas isn't the only slow guy to the plate in the league. I mean, sure. there are going to be other guys out there that that are like that. And so if if he's going to have the screen light in this situation, maybe he maybe he's going to have it more. And they say, you know what? Go ahead, run. We need to produce runs, and this is how we're going to do it this year. Instead of trying to hit the three-run home run all the time, and perhaps he has maybe he has a spike in stolen bases because he's got a, a more aggressive green light, assuming he stays healthy. Justin, today Jamison Tyon threw five and a third innings, two earned, nine strikeouts. The strikeout piece is probably the uh, the, the biggest one for me uh, out of Jamison Tyon. I'm a big fan. Um, you know, uh, that phrase again, confirmation bias, don't want to go too far on that and say just because I like the guy that, hey, he's awesome now. But again, the nine strikeouts is the nicest part there. He did run up the pitches a little bit despite only uh, despite not walking anybody, only four hits. He was at 91. That's why he was out after five and a third. Uh, but Jamison Tyon is somebody that kind of came in in that middle tier this year in, 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 in the glob, if you will, and has a chance, I think, to, to jump a level. Uh, how do you feel about Jamison Tyon, Justin? I mean, he, at worst, he's a guy to root for considering what he's been, you know, right. not just last year, but through his entire career. Dude just could not catch a break, could not stay healthy. Uh, then last year, you know, is his, is his year to really shine and put it all together, gets cancer. I mean, it, you know, but he came back and pitched. like he And pitched he, well for, mo- yeah. for most of it. Like, he pitched very well. And, like, he got downgraded more than, I think, any other injury risk pitcher coming in the year. And he was coming off of cancer. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like he was coming off of a shoulder injury or off of an elbow injury. He's coming off of cancer, and he came back and pitched. Yep. Um, I, I love the skills. For him, it's it's all about health. You know, you got to love the park. you got to love the skills. Uh, and there's no reason to think he can't stay healthy uh, and, and put up a good 160, 170 innings this year. Uh, I'm I'm all in on Tyon. He looked really really good today. Jason, is there some strikeout upside here beyond this start? Uh, we see nine strikeouts on 15 swinging strikes. Uh, that's a hell of a swinging strike rate. Obviously, I, I don't think we're going <laughs> to project him to continue a 17 percent swinging strike rate on, on the year for Jamison Tyon. But can we get him to? I don't know, even uh, a strikeout per inning would be pretty nice, around that 23 24% strikeout rate. Um, are you seeing that upside from a 26-year-old Jamison Tyon? Yeah, I mean, last year he was 8, 8.4. The year before that, 7.4. So he's made a little bit of progress despite everything last year. Uh, he was able to make that progress. So uh, if you continue that that third full season growth pattern, we should see him get up to that mid-20 strikeout rate. I mean, the stuff's, the stuff's there. It's just we haven't been able to see it there for a, uh, a considerable amount of time. We're still talking about a guy who's never pitched more than 135 innings in any one season. Anyway, yeah, any one major league season, right? Um, let's move over to the Twins and talk about their very best pitcher by far, not no, not even close in any way, shape, or form, Jose Barrios. Oh, it's Kyle Gibson time? Oh, threw okay. a shutout. Great. Jose Barrios threw a shutout the other day uh, with six strikeouts in Baltimore. Real nice to go into Baltimore and uh, and come out on the other side. Obviously, they're, they're not clicking just yet, but uh, that offense, even if they're even if they're a last place team this year, that offense when, once it heats up will get going um, in, in that ballpark for sure. But they they were sunk by the Twins this past weekend, and Barrios was was cheap among them. I will say though, you know, um, I'm still wondering if he can have a strikeout boost. We're talking about uh, Jameson Tyon maybe getting through with one. 
Jose Barrios is a guy that when you see him at his best, you're like, damn, this guy's amazing. He should have a strikeout per inning, if not substantially more, 10, 11 strikeouts per, per nine. But instead, he's lingered around that uh, that 20% mark, 8, 8.2 for his career. And even in this this brilliant outing here, had six which is fine, but it's, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to nitpick too hard on a shutout, Jason, but uh, Jose Barrios, did you get to see any of this start on Sunday? And if so, what'd you think? I did see a little bit of it, not too much of it, I, I, but the one thing that stood out to me, this, not even just Barrios, but the whole weekend uh, was how the twins pitching staff attacked Baltimore with curveballs. Uh, Order Rizzi did it on uh, the Friday, just a lot of, or maybe it was Thursday, I forget. No, he was opening day pitcher. It was Thursday. So he threw a lot more curveballs, more than I ever saw him pitch with Tampa Bay the, pre- the past year and a half. And it was a good one. And then Barrios obviously has the great one. And uh, it, uh, Pitching Ninja put a, a GIF up the other day, uh, this morning. Excuse uh, me? A what? GIF, GIF, whatever the hell. I keep oh forgetting. Oh my God. It's a GIF. GIF. Um, the uh, uh, Tim Beckham went to go bunt a curveball. And here it comes. <laughs> and it was like, ooh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And he couldn't even make contact with it. But that was fun. <laughs> Uh, but just the amount of curveballs they were pitching. And I'm surprised in that kind of matchup that he didn't have more strikeouts than he did. I guess it just comes down to being pitch efficient. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you go out there trying to get make the pitch, and they foul you off, foul you off, foul you off. Until, I mean, the curveball, yeah, it's a nice pitch. But I would really like to see him get a get a more solid third pitch. And I think that'll help him take the leap. Justin, let's talk about the other clown on that team. Your buddy, confirmation bias central over here. Kyle Gibson throw. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. Even when this guy's good, he can't finish the job. Oh, um, got no hitter going through six. Paul Molitor realizes the the found money that he has here. He's like this guy is actually garbage, and he's gotten through six innings with no hits. We got to get this guy out before he bounces back up to his his patented five oh seven ERA. Uh, you know, he's got six strikeouts. This is gold. I don't know who this is up there, but this is some fake player pitching in Kyle Gibson's jersey. But let's get him out before we get caught. Five walks, sweet. Um, I know you were loving every second of it, your boy. I, surely you watched this uh, amongst your condensed games or or rewatches uh, when you were when you were working over the weekend. What did you think of Kyle Gibson? And and outside of the confirmation bias, were you seeing stuff that you saw in the second half of last year that made you a fan of Kyle Gibson? Yeah, I mean, I saw some of the stuff that uh, we saw last year that made him better, but we also saw some of the stuff that. Uh, you were a little bit skeptical of, including the competition, the level of competition, uh, because, uh, I mean, outside of some walks, the, the Orioles just look lost at the plate right now, um, and especially wow. did in, in, that, uh, in, that, in that outing against Kyle Gibson. Um, it just, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about the Orioles. It just, they, they are just struggling right now offensively and, and putting hits together. Uh, as far as Kyle Gibson goes, I mean, this obviously uh, just you know inflated, overinflated his, his stock. You know, I, I saw him go for uh, quite a bit of money in a number of the uh, invitational leagues. Um, you know, that where he wasn't owned. Um, you know, went for I think. Uh, oh no, I, I already owned him in Tout Wars. That's right. He was worth twenty four <laughs> points in Tout Wars. I, I forgot about oh that. God. Um, How many God points was that worth? 24 points. I mean, 24. Wow. In only six innings. 
I mean, because he didn't oh. allow a run. Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't five. allow any earned runs. Uh, he didn't allow any any hits. Um, I mean, so, Justin, I'm going to be honest. I don't even play points format, but that sounds like a lot of points. It is a lot okay. of points. It was okay. more points so than ridiculous. the majority of the league put together the entire day uh, from a pitching amazing. standpoint. So, Congratulations uh, to you for your foresight on drafting him. You know, uh, there there are going to be blowout outings, especially if he struggles to find find the zone as he did at times uh, in this one. Uh, but the fact that he's striking guys out at a rate that we haven't really seen uh, him do at the major league level will help quell a little bit of that. Um, there are going to be blow up starts. Bottom bottom line numbers for for Kyle Gibson. And and league league viability. What's the what's the shell? Hey, you know what? Here, here, I, I I get a bet for you two. Lower ERA at the end of the year. Jordan Zimmerman or Kyle Gibson? I don't think Paul wants to take that bet. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> Zimmerman looked better than he did last year, but he's he, he's still Zimmerman. I would need an injury disclaimer in there because that's really my only concern, or else I would take it because I do think Minimum that... 100 innings, otherwise the bet's off. No, nah, because he's gotten under... He's got. I would have, I would need like a minimum, like a qualified season, 162, because um, Zimmerman... Neither of those did, guys are throwing 162 Yeah, neither of these guys. Then it's off. Because, yeah, they, he pitched over 100 the last two years, and he was horrific. He can he can cluster together Zimmerman All right, 100. I'll, I'll do that. Qualified qualified season, loser uh, posts a... or uh, Changes the avatar to the, uh, the winning pitcher uh, for two weeks. Done. Done. Perfect. Uh, by the way, to Jason, Kyle Gibson's ugly. He's oof, he is interesting. Um, <laughs> to, to the point about the curveball usage, twenty two percent for Kyle Gibson was a huge spike out of nowhere. By the way, um, never had been higher than ten percent. Twenty two percent against Baltimore, so that seemed to be the attack method for. I'm all telling you, man. I, I, I just every time I looked at that game, all I saw was curveball, 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 curveball. Yeah. Uh, I'm You're trying to pull up a report to show to say like, hey, show me wh- who's thrown the most curveballs this year, and I bet you it's Minnesota. I bet, um, I bet you it is. Um, let's move, let's move on to Garrett Cole, huge one. Justin, this will probably be easy. I think he's a higher end guy. We don't need to get it too much, but I know there were people there were skeptics, right? It was a, he was a divisive player. Garrett Cole was. He comes out seven innings, one earned, eleven strikeouts. And again, not so much the the singular outing of saying, hey, if you were on him, you got this right. But for me. As somebody who was very much on Garrett Cole as a as a uh, re breakout, I guess I don't know. Can you break out more than once? As somebody that would have a big season, was that I thought they would dial down the fastball usage and amplify his secondary stuff, and that's exactly what happened. Fifty two percent fastball usage. He's never been below sixty in his career. Garrett Cole hasn't really amplified the slider. Um, and and it seemed like less was more with the fastball because the the Rangers went one for fifteen with seven of the eleven strikeouts he had after seeing a game of Garrett Cole's. Uh, wh- how are you feeling about him so far this year, Justin? Because I want to say that you were similarly uh, ranking him where where I had him. Yeah, I mean I had him in the in the same general vicinity. I think I was a little bit lower on him uh, than you. This is this is hard. I mean, you go and look at again the level of competition. Um, and you know they they with with the uh, with the Rangers they you know had Drew Robinson in they had Pro, uh, Profar in Ryan Rua in 
Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily like their A lineup, and you know, a number of their strikeouts came from you know Rua and and Gallo uh, and, and Robinson. It doesn't mean I'm low on him, but like this doesn't like raise his stock for me quite yet. I want to see this uh, this kind of pitch mix um, uh, stick. And if it starts to stick over the next couple starts, then I'm going to start getting real hyped. Uh, the problem is he had having this nice of an outing in his first uh, first go around has already improved his stock. I, I got a question on Twitter sure. uh, earlier today asking me like Carrasco or Cole season long, and I, I'm still on the Carrasco camp, but like this may be the time to sell Garrett Cole. Uh, if you if you don't believe he's uh, turning into an ace, uh, because I don't think his stock's going to be much higher than it is right now. Yeah, and just uh, closing the loop to Jason's point uh, on the curveball usage so far through the season, twenty one twenty percent for the Twins is is the league high. Um, nobody else, you know, eighteen point or nineteen percent for Cleveland, eighteen percent for the Dodgers, seventeen percent for the Rangers. So yeah, they they definitely saw that as the way to beat the Orioles. Be curious to kind of follow that and see if other teams follow suit. And then if you have like a good curveball streamer, some guy who's you know he's got the one pitch, but it's a curveball. He's going up against Baltimore. Could be uh, could be an angle. So I, I like you uncovering that, Jason. Um, let's move I'm on. Not as dumb as I look. <laughs> Let's move on to Shohei Otani, and uh, you know it was a little bit of a roller coaster probably for the teams that have him because they saw the first couple innings going well, then the three run homer, and you're like, oh god, here we go again, another ace about to get shelled. Well, I shouldn't say ace; he's not an proven ace yet, but another you know high high price arm going to get shelled. But he settled down, and you know I think the Shohei Otani start really showed why the baseline of a quality start is six six innings, three runs because. That was quality. And I understand people, they try to slough it off and say, oh, 450 ERA, what's quality about that? First off, only 10%, I think with last year it was 12%. 12% of quality starts are actually the baseline, six and three. And it's the baseline. It's it's the lowest you can have. And you're never leaving your team in a bad position, even if they hadn't scored, when you leave 3-0 after six. Like that is, that's never, so it is a quality start. And I think he really showed how a six and three can be quality with six strikeouts. Shohei Otani had the splitter working. Um, he was up at 100 at times. The slider wasn't great. And in fact, Not the that one was, that Chapman, yeah, the one that Chapman had, and there were a couple others that that he was, you know, it's one of those things where when you're watching, you see, um, you might see all oh, all these swinging swinging strikes with a slider, but then you go watching, like, well, that one wasn't where it was supposed to be at all, and and he got the swing through on it, but he wasn't commanding the the, the slider specifically, but the fastball splitter combination was amazing for Otani. Jason, did you get to see any of this? And if so, uh, where where do you stand now on Otani after one start? I'm I've I've moved up. I'm not to where you were draft season, but I've moved up. I mean, I honestly I sat down and tuned in. I'd missed the first inning, so I I saw the the at bat before the Chapman home run, and you could see as as that pitch left his hand. I'm like, oh oh, oh dear, <laughs> crush. Uh, it just that slider didn't get out of the zone, uh, and that's where. But from then on, I liked what I saw. I mean, he was. Uh, there were some command issues, but I liked how, especially the slow breaking ball. And he would throw the high 90s, and then he would come up with that breaking ball, uh, that 11 to five drop. And yeah, I, I, I've moved up now that I've uh, now that I've seen him. Now that I've sat down and watched him for a few innings against major league hitters. Justin, me, uh, Mike, and Jeff were all at 31 uh, in the SP rankings for Shohei Otani. You were at 38. So again, 
in the glob, definitely not something where you're like way far out from us. I don't want to overrate seven spots, particularly within the glob, because that can be so little. But um, what what is your outlook with Shohei Otani? Uh, he's passed now the, the ugly spring and showed that, hey, that probably wasn't who he is. It is just one start, but it was a great start, and, and the stuff is there. Uh, have you altered your outlook at all, even though it's just one start? No, I think I'm I'm right exactly where I was coming into the season. I acknowledge that this guy has uh, elite stuff at times, and I think as he learns to become a major league pitcher, uh, he will turn into a top 10 to 15 starter in the league. I just don't know that he's going to be super consistent this year as he kind of uh, learns things. I, I think he really uh, showed a little bit of inexperience uh, and maybe some disconnect with his catchers the sequencing on his pitches were off I think he I think he made some mistakes because maybe he shouldn't have thrown certain pitches at certain times including uh that that one he left over the plate to Chapman that 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 pitch should have never been thrown uh in, in that situation um that being said there were times where he looked great um and I think the command is slowly getting better which tells me that uh, maybe he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable, um, mm-hmm. and he's not pressing as much. So I think I think he will improve uh, little by little over the course of the season. I also think there are going to be times where he gets absolutely blown up, um, and you're going to hate yourself for starting him. Uh, <laughs> so um, he's not quite you ace say that level. Most pitchers, though, I yeah, will say. but he, he's he's not. I don't think he's taken the ace step this year. I think next okay. year is the year to own Otani as a little bit of the hype cools down. Um, and uh, and that's when he'll he'll make that jump into ace level. Uh, for me, I'm just I'm I'm a little cooler I think than a lot of other people. Yeah, I thought the hype cooled down really nicely when he allowed those 700 runs, and uh, people thought that spring training mattered for a second, and and allowed uh, me and my my co partner um, Dusty to get him at 147 in the main event, and so yeah, I thought sick. that. Yeah, that that's like awesome. a perfect and price. Honestly, anywhere in the triple digits was was uh, open to me at that point. I was usually taking teammate Garrett Richards, who who struggled a bit in his outing, but uh, in that instance, we took uh, Richards and Otani made it all the way back at one forty seven. But was again, awesome. like one of those reasons why like it's important to go watch the starts is I thought Richards actually looked pretty good. He did. You and he, made a, he had a he had a bad inning, really. Yeah, he just the ending wasn't pretty, um, but. Like, the stuff is there. He's going to need to get stretched out a little bit. He's going to have, you know, some of those kind of late innings or one-inning blunders. Um, but uh, as he starts to kind of build up his innings start to start, uh, I think you're going to see a really nice buy on Garrett Richards. Yeah, I have the no other, real concern with Garrett Richards. I was just going to say, that and then Tyler Skaggs as well. How how Tyler Skaggs grow? I actually didn't see anything on, on him this past weekend. I thought Tyler Skaggs looked pretty good. I mean, he went through that. He obviously got the uh, got the win in this game. Uh, oh, yeah, he had a sharp Didn't up. walk anybody, <laughs> which just is a, which is always progress for him. And just somebody, I it's somebody I ended up keeping. I had to turn in my home AL league because draft is next weekend, uh, and I had to turn in my keepers and uh, the the five. I kept them at five dollars just because of the upside because you saw some of it last year with the strikeouts. I mean, he's always had the issues. With the walks uh, last year that came down, but the home runs went up. But the strikeouts have been there. And if I'm if I'm going to like if I'm going to like Garrett Richards for the for the defense he has behind him, 
then I've got to do the I've got to be the same way with with Tyler Skaggs if he can start generating a few more ground balls that would obviously be beneficial. But I do like that Angels team this year. They were the one I I I said they were they were my bold prediction uh, World Series uh, competitors. Oh, I, like I, I said Brewers and Angels, and that was like my my bold. Everybody else is going this way. Like if I had. $20 burning a hole in my pocket and was at Vegas and wanted to lay the odds. Those are the two teams that I would, that I would have done. And I don't expect either of them to be right, but that's what I'm putting down. But Skaggs, I thought all weekend, the angels actually pitched, had some good pitching. Like I said, with Richards, it's going to take some, it's going to take a little bit. Um, but by no means am I worried about any of them, but I was pretty excited to see uh, the, the bit I did of, of Skaggs pitch the other night. Let's finish up with a couple of uh, of velocity guys that that you're tracking currently, Jason. Uh, Robbie Ray, who got blown up in his in his start, five innings, six earned, uh, seven runs total, and and Yulis Chassin saw his ER, saw his velo dipping down too. Uh, what were you finding on the velo readings with Robbie Ray and Yulis Chassin? You know, so. One of the things that people will look, they'll, they'll think about the last time they saw him pitch and then look at now and say, oh, my God, uh, especially in September. But you know, there was research. Uh, Doug Thorburn's talked about it. Mike Fast talked about it when he was still baseball prospectus. Like there, there's this you can see guys gain velocity uh, throughout the year uh, and looking at. Uh, and also it's about game time. A lot of it has to do with game time temperature. You can look at. I'm looking at the, one of Mike's graphs now, and like uh, down to 40 to 50 degrees, guys can lose up to a mile per hour uh, off their off their fastball. This this the graph here is called fastball speed delta versus game time temperature. And I think I remember thinking back to last year when I went to opening day here in Charlotte of watching Reynaldo Lopez. I mean, I know they're scouting report in Lopez, and then I'm watching him pitch and saying, there's there should be more fastball there. And I remember it also being 34 degrees, and he was constantly blowing on his hand and couldn't get a good feel for the baseball and really wasn't spinning any good breaking balls and was having trouble. So uh, when we look at some of those guys, that's what, that's what some of the stuff I'm looking for. And when I look at Robbie Ray, what I was, what I'm doing for a piece right now is looking at seeing what velocity these guys were throwing at last year, this time of year. So when I look at Robbie Ray's start this year, his first start, average heater was 92.6, and a lot was being said like, oh my God, his velocity's down. Last year, first start, 92.6, same thing. So I'm not, I'm not sweating that out. With with Shashin, it's a little more different. Last year when he started, he was 91.7, first start out. Last start out, he was at 91. Uh, flat, and then this year his first start eighty nine eight. So that's a little concerning for me. It's something to watch for him uh, next time out to see where things sit. But the fact that he's trending down, and I was just looking at Alex Wood because I've made I've said a lot about Alex Wood this year how I how I did not like him. Uh, and with Alex Wood, you know, last year his first start out of the gate ninety four four, and we talked about him losing average fastball velocity every month of the season last year. Made his changes, started pitching. You know, he's dumped the dumped the windup. He's going full time stretch. Was ninety point eight his first start out here? So uh, we're we're continuing to see that downward trend, even though the results for him were good. And uh, even Zach, sticking with the Diamondbacks, even with Zach Granke, that was one start I watched. That's I mentioned watching one game a day. That's one I sat down and watched because I really want to see Herman Marquez pitch in that one. Uh, and Marquez was dot ninety nine. That was fun to watch. But with Granke, even him, he was ninety one first start out of the gate last year and eighty nine point one in his start. And the numbers look really good on Granke, but a lot of that uh, really came to him using his changeup really well. The change, his secondary pitches because the fastball was 
was okay. Uh, it was setting up his spots, but he was his secondary pitches were just fantastic in that first start. All right. Well, that's uh, that's a great a lot information. Of stuff, but and, had, and to, had to get all well, that no, out of my it's, head. It's, <laughs> and it's it's stuff to monitor too, because right, some guys are going to have velocity changes that are are going to be meaningful and and kind of portend some issues and that's why if you do see a velocity drop you should probably go check out the game too if you can at least the condensed game see some highlights or, or try to figure out if there was something behind it if, if they then struggle with their command and uh you know couldn't uh, didn't really have anything on the fastball because you can also have velo be a little bit low but if you got life on it and that's something that granky definitely has yeah then it looks like it has that zip and and if they're utilizing effective velocity properly working up and in in the zone in times and and, and mixing and matching then it might not be as big of a problem because again it does trend upward it trends upward and then peaks in august according to doug thorburn and yep. then starts to come down so don't automatically worry and say well this is the end of the world and i think it's become a little bit of a shorthand almost like babbitt being a luckometer right um is that once you see velo down like well i'm worried well did you watch the game no but it's it's down it's down well, one with your boys uh your home opener friday the the tigers and, and pirates uh, you know people were making point of, of rivera i think i even saw somebody saying mm-hmm. hey felipe rivera's fastball velocity was down it was like 30 degrees on the freezing. field. It was freezing cold. I was listening to the game, driving uh, from uh, the Georgia mountains up into Asheville and listening to the game, and the Tigers broadcasters were just like, it was so cold down on the was. field. And so it like, to me, was. it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, you, know, you see a 13-10 to 10 final score and pitchers not being able to locate their pitches very well as it got a little colder in that game, not a shock. Because it, it, exactly, it, it, and then baseball, there's always so much you could do to make that thing get a feel for it in your hand. By the way, he then pitched uh, in ba- both games of the doubleheader. Felipe Rivero did struck out five in two innings. Um, Justin, Lumps obviously, <laughs> we, we talked about some of this. Um, we, we talked about some of this with regards to how he how we addressed the first couple weeks and and what we pay attention to, what we don't. What are your readings on what, what? How do you deal with velocity readings, and and is it always case by case? It's totally case by case, and it's just something, you know, I'm monitoring. Uh, you know, you know, something we talked about with Granky, you know, and I, I think I said that, you know, Granky's one of the few guys in Major League Baseball if he lost a tick or two, that it wouldn't worry me that much. You know, he's just such a smart pitcher. Uh, and he, he just he prepares so well. I just feel like he's one of the few guys who can kind of get through any reduced velocity issues. You know, the whole Robbie, you know, the gif, who is it? The Jordan Peele gif where he's like sweating profusely. Like that's, that's like me with this whole Robbie Ray situation, but that's like me every time Robbie Ray pitches anyways. Like, it's just like, Oh my God, are these walks going to come back and hurt him? Like that's hilarious. So like, I mean, am I worried? Yes. Am I any more worried than I was when I drafted Robbie Ray super high this year. No, you know, to me, like the interesting thing is though, like it's super small sample size, but like this humidor situation, like what humidor? Yeah. I mean, uh, last year there were 215 home runs hit at chase field. Uh, that broke down to a Uh, 2.62 Homer per game average. Uh, this season, they're on a three-homer-per-game average pace. Obviously, it's three games. It means absolutely nothing. Um, but this is something we like should really just kind of continue to track because at some point, small sample size turns into sample size. And um, so far, the balls are still flying. 
Oh, yeah, it's because sure. the launch angle. I thought, uh, Jeff Sullivan and Mike Petriello tweeted today saying that the league's average uh, launch angle is already on the upward trend for a fourth straight year. The revolution. I mean, this. I'll tell you what, though. This 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 uh, humidor thing better come through because mm-hmm. I was skeptical of it, and then I heard the science, and I said, you know what? Okay, I'm schooled. I'm wrong. Here's all this info. And I bought in, okay? Yeah, like, science uh, that I didn't understand, and you guys made I, me buy shares of it, Zach Grinke. Exactly. <laughs> here's the, now, here's the thing. I will say, I was buying these guys anyway. I was too. So it did not change my outlook on, like, the Zach Godleys, the Taiwan Walkers, uh, Grinke, even Corbin and Ray, even though I was not uh, huge on either. I was, wasn't averse to buying them, even with no humidor. So it didn't greatly change things, and we don't know where we're going to be with it but so far it's like what humidor is definitely what it looks like so we'll, we'll of course continue the, to monitor the, it this we'll is really like, check in after a few weeks the reason it needs to come through isn't because of the results in terms of fantasy baseball it's so all those people who go science is dumb like can't actually <laughs> yes. say that at the end of the year like oh you guys had all this science and all oh, all, all, all these sabermetric stuff <laughs> and look what happened oh there's still just as many home runs in chase field because like that doesn't get old. No, no, no. That that yeah. That that's a good point there. We we needed to come through just for for the sanctity of science. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's going because well, we're ahead. losing that on every other front. Let's get right this time, please. We, we, we got it. So we'll, we'll we'll see. Again, it's 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 a weekend. We're not overreacting, but it, it was definitely something that was eye opening because all eyes were on that series, and you start to see the ball fly out, and you're like, well, dang. I mean, it's not only not being suppressed it seems to almost be going out at a higher rate at this point so again we'll 1000 percent continue to monitor monitor that and uh we'll be back justin you and i will be back later this week jason we'll talk to you again next week go buy the shirts